Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the Vapka Coaching Podcast. We will be joined shortly by Timothy Kite, who is the founder of Focus 3. I encourage all coaches listening to subscribe to the Focus 3 podcast and YouTube channels to receive great content from Tim and coach Urban Meyer on instilling great culture. Likewise, listen and subscribe to the Vapka Podcast if you haven't already done so and share with your coaching staffs and contacts to help give this podcast the exposure it needs. Now let's listen to Tim Kite and his Focus Free organisation. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm excited to be joined today by Tim Kite, the founder of Focus Three. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Adam. Good to talk with you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. We're going to be talking a lot about what your company does and your time working with Ohio State, among other companies. And as we were talking a bit before we started recording, culture is a real sort of buzzword at the moment, but a lot of people still aren't sure what that means practically. So we're going to really dive into it today and hopefully we'll get some great information shared. But before we do all of that, why don't you give us a, a background on who you are, how you uh, got started with Focus Free, and maybe some of your experiences with football teams in, in the U.S.? Yeah, great. It's, uh, you know, I grew up, grew up in uh, the Midwestern part of the United States, state of Ohio, and uh, played football, ran track in high school. And I was fortunate enough, to be the, fortunate enough to be the national champion in my track event. And so I had the opportunity to go to pretty much any university in, in America, chose Ohio State because it was local for me and my dad and granddad had gone there, but discovered early on that Ohio State way back then was not that committed to track and field. So I transferred to UCLA and the locker room for track and field at UCLA was the same uh, locker, same building as basketball. And I had the tremendous opportunity to interface with coach John Wooden for my three years at UCLA. And he was a legendary, uh, is a legendary coach. He's passed away, obviously, but, but, but coach Wooden at that time had won eight national championships in the U.S. And then while I was there, he won two more. And it was that experience, Adam, at UCLA, even though I was a track guy, um, I was watching Coach Wooden and, and spent a, a fair amount of time with him, uh, given that I wasn't a basketball player. And, and he sparked in me this passion, this desire to understand leadership, uh, organizational culture and cohesion on a team, uh, individual discipline and elite performance. So I began this quest to answer the question, what is the source of elite performance? How, how do you create uh, in yourself? How do you take yourself to the next level? What do you need to do as an individual uh, and as a team? How, uh, how, do you, how can you lead and create an environment that brings out the elite in, in a group of people, not just individuals? And from there, I went on to coach high school football and track in Los Angeles, and then went on after that to graduate school at Princeton, where I also coached uh, track and field. I was a graduate assistant. Uh, what actually went over to Europe and studied uh, uh, in at Labrie Fellowship up in uh, in Switzerland, and then back to the U.S. Finished my studies and went to Southern California. Started my company, 
And the company originally, or does to this day, focus on business performance. But along the way, very involved in athletics. I never lost my competitive streak, never lost my desire to stay involved with the game of football as well as other, other uh, uh, sports. And then when we moved back to Ohio, uh, at some, some 2013, I met Urban Meyer. And uh, Coach Meyer asked me what I did for a living. I told him, and he said, I really would like to implement your leadership culture principles at Ohio State, Ohio State football. I said, let's do that. And um, we started working together, and I became the leadership coach for Ohio State football and worked side by side with, with Coach Meyer and the rest of the staff on building leadership culture and discipline behavior tools uh, with Ohio State. And then Urban, of course, retired, and I've continued to work with Ryan Day. And um, Urban and I now do a podcast together, the Focus 3 podcast, which is a blast. And then we've, we've expanded to other sports and uh, professional sports and um, not just football, but others around the country as well. So it's been great. It's been a fantastic journey. We still serve, we still serve uh, businesses and, and we obviously serve athletics. We also serve public schools. We teach these systems inside education, which we love doing as well. So that's a quick background check. Excellent. And I think for transparency, I, I, I came into your podcast very late down the line. You, you already had dozens and dozens of episodes uploaded. And I, being a football coach, I very much went straight to the ones that you were doing with Coach Meyer. And we'll have an opportunity later on to sort of share details on where people can subscribe to that. But I'm, I implore everyone that's listening to give your podcast a listen as well, because there's some great information there. And um, some stuff you've kind of expect to be common knowledge but then you you turn it in such a way that um is really quite inspiring so be before we get into all of that what is focus free your company um and why don't you talk a little bit about your performance pathway yeah the the, the we named the company focus three because we help our clients focus on leadership culture and behavior and we do that because of what you referenced, Adam, the performance pathway. And which is I've observed many, many years ago that leaders create culture, culture drives behavior and behavior produces results. And we call that the performance pathway because it's the physics of performance. Every organization and team, irrespective of size, irrespective of, of uh, sport, irrespective of domain, everyone is subject to the physics of leadership, culture, behavior results. And we like to ask people to reverse engineer it and say, you know, if you look at it and just look at it and, and, and right to left is that results come from how people choose to behave. That the performance of a team rises or falls on the behavior of the, of, of the teammates and, and the coaches. So behavior is the single most powerful driver of performance. And, and the way to think about this, and I believe strategy is important, obviously, but, but here's a way to think about it. What happens if you have an A-plus strategy and B minus behavior, whether you're a company or a football team, what will happen? You're not gonna perform very well. Again, A plus strategy, B minus behavior. Pretty good chance you probably will not perform or produce results greater than C plus. So we, and then when I first shared this pathway with Urban, um, he, I mean, he came out of his chair. He was like, one, he believed it already. He'd never seen it phrased that way. I mean, he, he, he believed these things, but, and this is a key thing. He didn't have a system for culture. He didn't have a system for leadership. And, and when we talked, I said, you have a system for recruiting. Yes. 
Offense and defense, yes. Special teams, yes. Strength and conditioning, yes. Academics, yes. NCAA compliance, yes. Leadership and culture, no. And that's the problem. And, and uh, one of the things we like to say, it's important, is that average coaches have quotes. Coaches have plans. Elite coaches have systems. And I find it fascinating, again, back to the Urban Meyer story, is that how many, how many coaches have systems for lots of things, but not for this thing called culture. And so culture is the environment that you create on your team. It's the core beliefs and the key behavioral standards and then the experiences you all deliver to each other. That's what culture is, belief, behavior, and then the experiences that you deliver to each other. And when there is a shared commitment to, to a belief system, there's a shared commitment to behavioral standards. Now you get cohesion. Now you get alignment. Now you get this thing that we call strong or elite culture. Because ultimately what people believe is going to drive how they behave and how they behave determines what results you produce. And then the leadership piece, Adam, that's the triggering factor in the pathway. So leaders are the ones who initiate, and they're not the only ones that create the culture, but they initiate it. They're the catalyst for it. They're the sustainers. And then everyone has to commit to owning, we have a phrase that we use, 20 square feet. In the UK, it, would, it, would, it wouldn't even be square feet, it'd be metric, but everyone has to own their sphere of ownership. Everyone has 20 square feet of the culture, and they have to own that. And when leaders lead well and the culture is clearly articulated and it is uh, supported and trained and held accountable, and then that'll shape behavior, training behavior, competitive behavior, interactive behavior, and that will produce the best possible results. So that's the, that's the whole philosophy behind focus three. And when you talk about um, the cultural elements, do you, do you expect organizations and football teams to define that and like have that written down somewhere so you can continually refer to it? Or is it something a bit more implicit than that? No, it's a great question, Adam. It has to be written down. Now, there's a catch-22, though, and that is that, um, that writing the culture down doesn't guarantee you have it. Now, you mentioned of write it down so you can refer to it. Absolutely. And, in fact, I would say – so Urban and, and I just released a podcast this Monday. What, what's, is today Tuesday? Yeah, so I think yesterday we, we, we released our most recent one, and it was on culture. And, and we talk about the fact that once you write your culture down, once you've clarified it on paper, and I'm a big believer in this, three words. You're, on paper, the culture has to be clear, concise, and compelling. It can't be too long. I'm a huge believer in the rule of three huge three core beliefs and write them down. Think about them deeply. What do you believe in as a football team? And, and then how do you want people to behave driven by those beliefs? And then what outcomes do you want to produce from those behaviors? And that's, we call that the BBO process, belief, behavior, outcome. And we call that document, Adam, we call that a culture playbook. And it has to be written down to your point, it has to be. Now at Ohio State, the three beliefs of Urban Meyer, and, and this is what he'd always believed. He'd never written it down, though. This was interesting. I brought the system, and then, he, then we put it into the system, and then we executed it. Uh, the three beliefs that, that Urban has, and still to this day has, and Ryan Day still uses them, is uh, relentless effort is belief number one. Competitive excellence is belief number two. And power of the unit is belief number three. Now, I mentioned clear, concise, compelling. Those three beliefs, relentless effort, competitive excellence, power of the unit, 
what that is, that is, and you can see that's relevance to football, that's effort, execution, teamwork. Those are the three pillars of football success. How much effort do you give? How well do you execute? And are you prepared to execute when, when the time comes? And, and how, how collaborative and teaming are you? But again, the language Urban used to make it interesting was relentless effort, competitive excellence, empower the unit. And we described the behaviors for each of those and that, that became the written statement, the culture playbook of Ohio State football. And then with unbelievable clarity and consistency, we communicated it every day. You cannot be in the Ohio State football facility. Of course, right now, no one's there because of COVID-19. But when you're in that facility, you'll hear uh, four to six A to B. Relentless effort. Four to, four to six is the behavior of, of relentless effort. And four to six is the length of a football play, four to six seconds. And then A to B is, you know, is the, is the direction you go, right? So you hear it all the time. Four to six A to B, plus one, plus two which is to go extra and it's constantly communicated. It's on the walls. It's written down. Coaches are trained. When you come to Ohio state, you're trained how to communicate that culture to the players in your, in your unit. So yes, write it down and then communicate it with relentless clarity and consistency. And that presumably must be a really powerful tool because day to day things are going to go slow, not the way you want it to be. And maybe a player's maybe doing something slightly different, you can just refer back to these really concise points to just bring them back in line. Yes, they're the standards. The, the, the understand that the, the purpose of, and here's the thing, if you're not going to communicate it verbally, don't write it, don't even write it down. I mean, you're better off not, not having one if you're not going to communicate it. And then number two, if you're not going to, if you're going to communicate it, not hold people accountable to it, you shouldn't have it. And I tell this all the time to businesses as well as football teams. If you're not going to hold people accountable to your culture, why communicate it? You'll just frustrate people. So you, yes, it's the reference point for how you want people to behave. And now, now it's not punitive. This is important. Accountability doesn't mean negativity. It simply means standard. And if someone doesn't meet the standard, you let them know and say, and again, this is, this is so difficult as a teammate or, or as a coach and, you know, and I know you guys in the UK, it's the, the, the coach player relationship is uniquely different because of the way you guys play the game. And, and, and a lot of you, uh, you know, are the same role, but, but it, it's what I call intensity without anger. To be intense with, with your colleagues, to be intense with your teammates, to be intense with the players that you're coaching without being angry. I did a podcast with U.S. football coaches last night, or a webcast with them last night. And I was, it was about 75 of them. And I said, guys, stop getting angry all the time. Intensity, yes. Anger, no. And so if someone misses a standard, they miss a standard. Hold them accountable to it with intensity, but not anger. And that's hard for guys, I think, Adam. I mean, it gets hard for football guys. But I think it's an important point. Absolutely. And especially over here in the U.K., a lot of people – going into sort of coaching because they just want to stay around the game and things like that and they mean I think it's a, a hurdle we all have to get over and we learn at different rates but the natural instinct is to get angry at something when people don't understand it as quick as you or as well as you and you know like I say the instinct is just to snap and get at them and yeah. understand why they're they're at your sort of level um that's really interesting. I mean, I want to go through the performance pathway a bit more. So if we start at the beginning of that and we talk about leaders. Hey, Adam, can I, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, of course. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to that point about anger, and and this is something again, and I've I've been doing this for almost 35 years, so I've I've just seen an awful lot of coaches and teams. When a coach gets angry, he's essentially saying that he's frustrated because he's not getting what he wants, which is selfish. Absolutely, yeah. It's selfish. And, and, uh, and I've heard coaches say to me, well, it's just, it's the team needs it. And I'm not, I'm not being selfish. I'm just, it's, I'm mad because the standard, I know you're mad because you didn't, the player didn't do what you wanted the player to do. You needed the player to do. So what you need to do is find out a better way to coach him. And I say this, don't get furious, get curious. Don't get furious, get curious that the most elite coaches I know are experts at cause and effect. And if a player or a team or a unit isn't playing at the standard that they want, the coach asks, why? Don't waste emotional energy or time on anger. Reinvest that emotional energy on understanding. Now, again, intense. I wish I could, I wish we're on a field right now and I could show you what I mean. Because when I coach, I'm intense. I mean, I'm intense. You can see it, you can feel it, you can hear it, but I do not get mad. I do not get angry. And as a consequence of that, all of our energy goes into understanding, okay, there's a standard that we needed. Guys, we're not there yet. Frank, you didn't do it. John, you didn't do it. Let's figure out why. Let's go fix this. Let's go. Is it foots? Is it hip? Is it hands? Is it eyes? Is it, what is it? Is it effort? Let's figure it out. We're fixing this. This is the standard I want. We're going to hit this. And people respond, Adam. They love that. Anger, not so much. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, for all the players that are listening and ex-players, I think when you receive anger as an emotion, it's just a, a demotivator, isn't it? You just don't want oh, to huge. carry oh, yeah. on performing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Right. Um, so just going back through the performance pathway, the first element is leadership and leaders. You have an episode uh, dedicated to this part, and it, it was a great listen so do you want to go through some of the essential traits for good leadership? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to approach it. Um, the, the, there's a model that we use that we call Lead Now. I think we're actually going to be changing the name here in a bit. But, and and I, I don't know how we would do this necessarily. But if you were to – actually, you know, Adam, if you were to email me, I could email you an overview of this le leadership model, which you could then send out to your listeners. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so just send me an email and I'll, I'll send you a copy of this. But here's fundamentally what leadership is. Number one thing as a leader, you have to build trust. That's number one. The first step, the first priority of a leader is to build trust. And trust is a result of three things. How they experience your behavior. They experience Trust isn't given to you by your position. It's earned by you by how you behave. That's really important. Trust isn't given trust is earned and it's it's critical because you can only push players you only can push your teammates as far as the level of trust you've built with them and that's why the first pillar the first priority is trust and trust is a result of how they experience your character your competence and a connection with you character competence connection that's what it's a triad and when people and it's it's experience of your behavior over time and people don't experience your intentions they experience your behavior this is really important you can intend to be trustworthy but if you don't behave in a way that delivers the experience people aren't going to trust you so character is your ethics character is doing what you say you will do 
It's you yourself living the cultural standards, especially when it's hard. Talking straight to people, telling the truth, not, not you know, spinning and twisting and stuff and doing what you say you're going to do and living the culture and acting with integrity. Competence is knowledge of the game and, and, and the ability to teach the game. But more importantly, competence is using what you know about football to help other people get better. It's essentially, it's, it's getting things done, solving problems and helping teammates get better. That's what competence is. And it isn't necessarily that you're the smartest guy on the team that you know more than anybody else. It's what you do with what you know. It's that you're using your competence, your knowledge to help players get better. And then the third element of trust is connection, which you can call it what you want, but at the end of the day, it's some form of love. It's, it's a form of caring about people. Now, maybe not the popular notion of love. I'm a real big believer in the Greek notion of agape. And, you know, uh, they're, they're, the Greeks had different, different words for love. But the agape is not feeling-based love. It's, it's, it's sacrificial, uh, disciplined love. It's acting in someone else's best interest, whether or not you feel like it. And it involves listening. It involves, um, it involves it's, there's a great proverb in King Solomon said, better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. And so what a, someone who really cares about somebody is, you'd be a truth teller, right? You, you do it appropriately, but you're a truth teller. Like one of my jobs to work with a coaching staff is to observe and tell the truth, to see what I see. And if I see things that I think are a gap in how a coaching staff coaches, I say so. And it can be painful, but better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy, right? So character, competence, Connection. The relationship you have is connection. The way you, you, you use your skills and knowledge to help players get better. And then your, your ethics, your character, your integrity, those three things together are what win and earn you trust. Then on that foundation, then a leader, number one, clarifies expectations. So clarity becomes is next. So on, on the foundation trust, you clarify expectations. And then you, you execute and equip and inspire people to meet those expectations. And so there's a, there's a trust piece, there's a clarity piece, there's an execution piece, and then there's a, there's a, a piece of really important to, to where you equip and inspire people to commit to the team and develop the skill to execute. And that together is gonna to be what leadership is. And all those pieces are necessary. Take one of those pieces out and you're not, you're not gonna lead effectively. It's all necessary. And just following that performance pathway, you've got leadership leading into uh, culture. And we talked about culture already in terms of setting your standards, um, mm -hmm. communicating those standards. Is there anything more to what good culture looks like or conversely what bad culture looks like? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally once you've written down this playbook or we sometimes call it a blueprint. I know other people call it a map. It's that it's what we already talked about, this constant communication and then support and accountability to make sheep people live the culture and it infuses everything it infuses everything it it, it shapes and forms it's interesting uh, adam that that your the job of culture i think you'll we'll tie culture and behavior together here the job of culture is to energize the behavior called for by your strategy the job of culture is to energize and sustain the behavior called for by your strategy because when, when I see this all the time, if you have a, as mentioned earlier, right, you've got a great game plan. You've, you've, you've got plays you've drawn up. You run a certain kind of an offense or defense and special teams. Well, the, once you've 
developed a plan through your strategy. Now success is a matter of execution, which we all know in football. Whoever executes best wins. Execution is culture driven. Like look, look at what Urban said. The level of effort our players give in practice and in games. The level of, of you know, competitive excellence. If, if they've, they've worked hard mentally and physically to prepare to execute when the moment arrives. And then the teammates, the, the power of the unit, their, their uncommon commitment to each other. What does that do in the middle of a game? Maximum execution, maximum effort, maximum teaming in a game. Whoever does that best wins. In fact, I'll say, here's how far it goes. I'll take a team with a, with a smaller playbook, with a better culture. We'll beat a team with a bigger playbook and lesser culture every time because of effort, execution, and teamwork. And if, if we're maybe perhaps talking to the younger coaches out there, maybe they've gone through all of these steps. They've, they've set their standards. They've written them down. They've communicated it. What are some of the perhaps practical – if they come to a practice field – and they're looking at one of their practices or they're looking at one of their games, are there things that they should be looking out for to see whether or not that leadership or their leadership and their culture is actually filtering through? Yeah, another great question. Great coaches are master observers. Master observer. How much film do you guys watch, Adam? Um, we, we get a fair amount of film. It varies from team to team, but we do watch film and scout and practice film and things like that. Okay. So, you know, we watch film to see how, you know, we're executing uh, assignments, techniques, and plays, right? We watch film on individual players. We watch film on unit. We watch films on whole team, and we're looking for how is it being executed. But start looking for the cultural elements as a part of that. And I've sat in team rooms and film rooms with a unit or a whole team where, and this is at Ohio State, you, you're not going to watch film at Ohio State and it be exclusively uh, X's and O's in execution. Effort's always brought up. Teaming's brought up all the time, every day, every film session. So when, when, a, when a coach goes out on the field, I, I strongly recommend one of the things a coach does before practice starts is talk about the culture before you start practice. Maybe choose one culture element. Say, guys, let's, let's, you know, you know our culture. It's blah, 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 blah. And then you say, today, this, let's, we're going to focus on it. And then during, the, during the, the practice, you're giving feedback, not just on the execution of a particular drill or technique. You're also giving cultural feedback. And then at the end of practice, you wrap up with a comment about how do we do against the culture. If I had a film right now I could show you of Urban, and Ryan Day does the same thing right now, every single practice, there's cultural conversations, always. And then if there's a particular player who just didn't seem to meet the cultural standard, the coach will pull that guy off the side and he'll get a, he'll have a conversation with him. It'll, it won't be punitive, but it will be, it will be direct and honest and it will be explained about the, the standards that we have and what we need from people. So I, I don't think a practice should go by where this isn't woven in. And, and it's interesting, a little, now not, I'm, I don't mean this a lot, but I mean a little bit less X's and O's and inject culture in. There's, there's a law of diminish, diminishing returns on X's and O's. You and I talked about this before the podcast started. I know coaches go to these clinics every year here in the U.S. They go away and they got, they're all excited about new drills and skills and, and all kinds of new plays they're going to run and techniques for O-linemen, D-linemen, receivers, backs, quarterbacks, DB. All, all, I get it. And again, I love, I love drills and skills. I love X's and O's. But, but please understand that people will only perform to the level of the culture. 
which is why I said a smaller playbook with a stronger culture will be a bigger playbook with a weaker culture every single time. So that I just, you have to build a culture. You have to. And it's every practice, not just one or two times a year. Sure. And I mean, this is just one episode for, for BAFCA and we're, we're very much skimming across the top and we'll talk about your podcast. And as I said earlier, I implore everyone to listen to it because you go into each of these segments as we've spoken about in much more uh, deeper detail. One, one episode that I really loved was you and Urban Meyer talking about pressure and how to handle pressure. How, how does your performance pathway help handle pressure? And is there any techniques that you can recommend coaches to do? Yep. So the third piece of the, the performance pathway is behavior. And when we say behavior, we simply mean what you do and what you don't do and how you do it. And we're talking about behavior in practice. We're talking about behavior in, in, you know, in your training, away from the field, just your habits, and then obviously your competitive behavior in a game. And we, we like to talk about behavior with a simple uh, description. And that is, the, imagine a line, Adam. And, and by the way, have you read Urban's book, Above the Line? I have, yes. Yeah, so that we, we talk about this in the book. So you draw a line, a horizontal line, and then there's, there's above the line, and below the line behavior. Now we, now we now call it discipline over default. Same, same exact thing. Above the line is discipline behavior. Below the line is default behavior. And discipline behavior is characterized by intention, purpose, and skill. And default behavior is characterized by impulse, autopilot, and resistance. Default loses. Discipline wins. And one of the big statement we make is that your competitive advantage is not your level of talent it's your level of discipline again your competitive advantage as a team is not your level of talent it's your level of discipline now talent matters of course you want the most talented guys on your team no question about that but you don't want talented default guys on your team that's a culture killer many a coach has Rude today, he brought on some talented, egocentric player onto his team. That toxic player who's all out for himself. Talented, gifted, but ruins the culture of the team or damages the culture of the team. So we, we really put an emphasis on the right kind of behavior. And then, and then the, the system that we use to execute discipline behavior is this, this equation E plus R equals O, which stands for event plus response equals outcome. If you look carefully, every Ohio State coach and player wears an E plus R equals O wristband. And I do E plus R equals O training every year for Ohio State football and other clients. Because that is how, you, in ERO, you, the event, you don't control events. And then the O is outcome, you don't even control outcomes. But you do control how you choose to respond. And then the outcomes that you get are determined by the responses that you choose. And you get the best outcomes when you choose the most effective responses. ERO, event response outcome. And what, what a great team does, what a great culture does, what a great leader or coach does is teaches players how to respond under pressure. And we call that win the moment. And the reason we call it win the moment is actually because of neuroscience and because of human psychology. 
to win the moment, you have to be in the moment. And it's a mental discipline. It's an R factor discipline. You can't win the moment if you're not in the moment. And there's three emotions that take you out of the moment. One is resentment about the past. A second is anger or cynicism about the present. The third is fear about the future. That takes you out of the moment. If you're resentful, cynical or angry, or you're fearful, you're not going to do well under pressure. You're not going to win the moment because you're not in the moment. So what we, we train them on is ERO, event response outcome, and then how to get your mind right in response to those situations under pressure. Now, there's another thing that we do is we train for pressure. We do, we do situational things in practice, right? I assume that you guys do that in the UK in your practices. As you practice, you know, third or fourth and one on your own 30-yard line, line, you know, trying to keep a drive alive. You practice two-minute drill for the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, you do situational things in order to create pressure in practice that mimics the pressure you'll feel in a game because confidence comes from knowing you've done the training right we've experienced this event we've trained our response and we know what to do and if we make a mistake we don't worry about it we learn from it and we go again and so that training in e plus r equals o and it's a trained thing i mean you it's a it's a literally i've i've, I've given at this point hundreds of ero workshops at ohio state football it's not a speech it's a trained system it's a skill set and then and then situational stuff in practice and then you know, you, you review from how we competed in a game and when the when the situation arises we've got confidence because we know we've done it and we're, we win the moment why because our focus isn't in the past our focus is not in the future our focus is what we need to do right now laser 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 focus which creates confidence which allows us to execute so that's the key to competing under pressure excellent um i'm quite curious to talk about Ohio State and your time with Coach Mayer. What was that like working together? Were there things that you learned during the time and what were some of the big things that Ohio State took away? Well, I, you know, I would encourage any of the listeners just to read the book Above the Line because that really, that, that documents uh, the journey, Urban's journey and then our journey together and then it culminated in the 2014 National Championship, the first year that, that in America we did the college football playoffs. Um, it, it's it was been a great experience and you know it, it still goes on because although urban's retired we do the podcast together we're very close friends uh we've gotten to know each other and our families really really well and then and we talk about a wide variety of topics and so you know working with coach meyer has been you know he's one of the most elite coaches in the history of the sport um and a couple of just things i guess I, i'd be hard to say you know describe what it's like it's uh, a couple of things i'll say um that, that I think is descriptive. I met him at a party, actually a fundraiser at his house. We had this initial conversation. He loved what he heard. He said, come down to the facility. I did. And I drove down to the, to the Woody Hayes athletic facility, walk in. And then he, um, he asked me to watch a film session with his leadership council. And it was a film on leadership. And he wanted me to see and evaluate how he built leaders, how he taught leadership at Ohio State football. And the film was a, it was a put together by a young man named David Trichel, 
who was his post-production video guy at Ohio State, and it was a phenomenal um, uh, mixture of video clips from the Navy SEALs, uh, Jamie Diamond, uh, a financier, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant was in it, um, just some really cool stuff on leadership and music, and it was visual, and, and the leadership councils in the team room, and they watched the video, and it was, it was as good, Adam, as any video I've ever seen. I mean, it was just, it was, David does a phenomenal job. And, um, and then, and then Urban and coach Mick, our strength coach got up and had a conversation with the players about the, the, the film, about what they learned. Cause there were like six, I think there were seven leadership principles taught in the, in the movie, in the film that Dave did and had the conversation and the guys left. So Urban says, Hey Tim, come on to my office. Let's talk. I want to get your feedback. So we go into the, his office and we sit down and I, he said, what'd you think? I said, Urban, that was your second. Yeah, we did a film last week. He said, that's our second. I said, you're going to do more? He goes, yeah, we're like, Dave's got like three or four more, more he's working on. I said, that's great. I said, well, number one, that was the most, now that film was world, literally, it was elite, man. That was in Urban's like, yeah, Dave's really good, isn't he? He goes, yeah. And I said, that's really fantastic. And I said, uh, you're really fortunate to have that resource. I said, there were seven leadership principles in that movie, right? He goes, yeah. I said, can you list them for me? <laughs> and he said, well, the first one was, a, was Ductus Exemplo, lead by example, Marine Corps. I go, yeah, you got the first one. What are the other six? Adam, he couldn't do it. And I looked at him and I said, you're 50 years old. You're one of the best football coaches in the history of the game. We just came from the video. You can't remember the seven principles of that phenomenal video. And you want your 21-year-old players, 20-year-old players to remember him? I said, and I explained to him, the brain doesn't think in lists. It thinks in systems. And that's what I told him. Average coaches have quotes. Good coaches have plans. Elite coaches have a system. And I said, I think you don't have a system for leadership. And he leaned back in his chair and uttered an expletive, I think. And uh, we started. That's why we put in the performance pathway and E plus R equals O and culture playbook we put a system in place and and so the, here's the here's the the conclusion of that I and mean, you asked what it's like to work with him so I, I asked him in the midst of all that I said why do you want I said you've won two national championships you're the you're, percentage wise you're at the time you were the winningest active coach in the history of college football in, in the United States why would you want some outside leadership guy to come in and help you and Adam, he leaned into his desk, looked at me and says, Tim, he goes, I'm not good enough at my job. I have gaps and weaknesses. I want someone, I want you to help me get better. That's amazing. So does that tell you what it's like to work with Urban Meyer? A little Absolutely. bit at least? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you spoke, we're talking about Coach Meyer now, and you spoke about Coach Wooden earlier. Are there similarities between the two in terms of what makes him so successful, do you think? Sure. I mean, absolutely. You're, you're, never, you're not going to be – if you're not super competitive, if you, if you don't have a deep fire to compete, and if you're not mentally tough, you're not, you're not going to be a good coach. And, and those guys both had, had, had that. Um, if you don't love your players deeply – I mean, deeply and, and, and invest in them as whole people, not just as, as athletes, you're probably, you're not going to be very good as a coach. And both those guys had that. Um, I would say coach Wooden had this unique intensity without anger thing that was very unique to him. Uh, 
Um, I think Urban was okay at that, but it, it, we talked a lot about that. You know, anger would, but but Urban Urban was pretty good with that, and and as we worked together, he got better at it. So, uh, but I, but that competitive spirit, competitive fire, that mental toughness, um, that commitment to culture as a as an environment that you create, and that love and concern for the whole athlete, not just uh, the whole person, not just the athlete. Uh, definitely something all those guys had in common. Both those guys had in common. Sure. And just to wrap this all up, one last question. We spoke a little bit before we started recording about um, what football's like over here in Britain and Europe in general. Talking about all the leadership and culture and behaviour um, framework that you were talking about, if we only have players for once or twice a week and coaches and players have all got full-time jobs or they're studying and it's not a true football programme in the NCAA or NFL sense, should we be scaling these things down to match our level or is it still the same fundamentals all the way through? Yeah, it's the same fundamentals. I wouldn't scale down the principles. I would just invest the appropriate amount of time. And you've got X amount of time to spend on, you know, learning a football a play or a technique or developing skill or strength and conditioning. Just look at your, because another thing, I mean, Urban and I, and we have a, I think we've done a couple podcasts on time management, but we all know in the game of football, managing your time is huge. It's huge because you just do not have unlimited amounts of time. And it's a struggle that every NFL, every college, every high school coach over here, uh, they, 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 they always want more time as it's hard. You guys are even more restrictive in, in what time you have, but look at your time, sit, sit down with your, with your schedule and then say, okay, how much am I going to dedicate to leadership and culture? And dedicate to it. Don't skip, don't skimp on the content. And just, if you can't do it a ton of time, make sure it's, there's a, I call it a cadence, Adam. It's a cadence of development, right? And we, you know you build skill through reps, right? You build football skill through, same thing with leadership skill, same thing through mental skill, same thing, that you gotta do reps, do reps. And so uh, how much time will you allot in practice to, you know, focus on culture. So a lot the time and execute it and then just do it with a cadence. And you, 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 each coach on this podcast, you choose the time. But my, my admonition is don't jettison it. Don't say, I don't have time to do culture. I got X's and O's to do. I just think that's a mistake. So whatever amount of time you can make sure that you do it and you do it with a cadence and with consistency. And then I, and, and I don't know, again, I would have to talk to individual teams and what it's like, but is there, is there some, you know, you're like, we're on Zoom right now. And, you know, it, it, could you do an evening session with your guys on, you know, Skype or Zoom or something where it's 15, 20 minutes. It's not football practice time, but it's a evening relaxed and you're talking culture. You're talking leadership. I would look for, for you know, that kind of unique, innovative ways of doing it. Um, it doesn't always have to be on that field. Now, I would, again, back to what I said, I would do every practice at culture focus, every practice. And then I, I would, if I could, say to the guys, hey, let's choose one day a week in the evening when the kids go to bed or whatever, that we're going to get on Zoom together. We're going to talk about you know, leadership or culture. And don't make it long, but make it high impact and focused. If that's a doable thing, absolutely, I would do that. Oh, it's absolutely doable. And especially now in these times, people, coaches and teams are trying to find ways of keeping in contact with their players. Yep. So yep. now's now's more perfect time than ever. Agreed. Yep. But 
Tim, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time. I always give the guests an opportunity to plug their social medias and, of course, plug your website and your podcast as well. So let the listeners know what you've got going on. Sure. Yeah, you can reach me. Um, our website is focus3.com, and that's the number three, focus3.com. The podcast that Urban and I do is the Focus 3 podcast, and we, we, um, that's available on all the platforms, uh, iTunes. We actually YouTube it, so it's videotaped on YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Spotify, Spotify, so you can get it there. And then I'm real heavy on Twitter, and that would be at Timothy Kite, K-I-G-H-T, uh, at Timothy Kite, which just, by the way, Kite is a Welsh word, which I have a background apparently from Wales, and um, so that, that's my heritage, which is kind of fun, talking talking to the UK today. But um, So at Timothy Kite or Focus3.com or the Focus3 podcast are definitely ways to get a hold of us. William, once again, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it, and hopefully we'll get you over to the UK sometime soon. Would love to do that, Adam, sometime. That would be great. Thank you again to Tim Kite for taking the time to talk to us. Once again, check out the Focus 3 website and podcast and take some time to subscribe to the Backup Podcast and share with your fellow coaches. Tune in next time for another episode of the Backup Coaching Podcast. Mm-hmm.